Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Thank you and welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Morgan Brian Birch, age 11 and a half, currently in sunny L.A. And today we'll be talking about many amazing things such as The Cat in the Hat, Oh, Say What's the Weather Today, Clayton and Alice the Looking Glass, Max and Moxie, Sid the Science Kid, Quackers. And right now we're talking to Julie Stahl. So how are you? I'm terrific. I'm so pleased to join you today on Voice America. Oh, the honor's all mine. It's just, it's really exciting. I know you have quite a background. And right now you're currently doing The Cat in the Hat. So... I love this. It's just a great show. And it's actually coming on DVD, and it's a new DVD called, say, called Oh, Say What's the Weather Today? So you helm the production of the series. What does that actually mean? Well, as the producer of the series, I kind of like to think a bit about it as like the conductor of the orchestra. So it's my job to pull together all the different people and all the different teams necessary to make a show. So I work with the writers to write the stories. I work with our casting director to find all the voice talent. And then I work with the animation team to storyboard and do all the designs and make all of the animation. And then I work with the music composers who help write all the music and put the score together for the show. And then I work with the editors to edit it all together and deliver it to the broadcasters and uh, into our DVD distributors. Wow, you have a pretty big job in, the, job in this company. I mean, it's simply amazing all the stuff that you can handle. What's your secret? I want to know, how do you juggle it all? <laughs> well, my secret is you have to love what you do. And I absolutely love making children's television shows. And so for me, I get so excited when I get to wake up every morning and I, I get to think about the new stories we're going to tell and where all of our different shows are at in production at any given time. So for me, making kids TV is you know, incredibly exciting. And it, it really just keeps me on my toes from about eight in the morning until eight at night every day. Wow. Well, that is a good trick. Love what you're doing. I mean, I love what I'm doing and I'm talking to you right now. There you go. Now, where, where are you from? I'm actually, I grew up in a small town north of Toronto, which is a city in Ontario, Canada. And so I'm, I'm really not too far from my hometown. I work right downtown Toronto and our, our studio is located right close to the lakeshore in Toronto. And it's right in house where we do all of the animation work. Oh, so you're actually located in Canada. That's pretty cool. Uh-huh. I love Cat in the Hat, and I've been, I know a bunch of other kids do, definitely, but do the Canadian kids love the Cat in the Hat as much as the children do from America? They absolutely do. I think the Cat in the Hat is one of those programs that is loved by parents and kids of any age and all across the world. In fact, the show The Cat in the Hat knows a lot about that. Um, is broadcast in over 100 countries around the world, and it does so well everywhere that it goes. Oh, well, speaking about different countries, do you dub the actors' voices into different languages, or how do you do that? Absolutely. So in different countries around the world, we have to work with the different um, TV stations in those countries to choose a cast and to prepare the show in different languages. So we have it in Polish and we have it in Hebrew, we have it in Chinese, all kinds of different languages. And it's so cool to watch the show in all kinds of different languages. Wow, I bet I'm that would be really fun. Like then you can yeah. compare the episodes and learn a new language. You know, that's an awesome idea. Yeah, you should <laughs> actually do that for one of your TV shows, like have a little thing like 
and then be like, okay, this is an episode, and, like, do two episodes at the time, and then, like, show the lyrics for each one, so that way kids can learn new languages as well, learning what the weather's like. Wow. I think I'm going to bring you on to my production team. You are full of awesome ideas. I'll be there 8 a.m. until <laughs> 8 p.m., literally. Now, when you're developing a series such as this, how do you find the voice talent for it? Ah, the voice talent, well, the first thing that we start with is we come up with the character descriptions. You know, what do we think the cat in the hat should sound like and Nick and Sally? Um, and we sort of, you know, decide on the kind of voice they should have and how excited they should be and, and how they might be different from each other. And then what we do is we reach out to all of the voice talent agents um, across the city. And sometimes we even grow, you know, go further than that. And we look for talent across the country and we do auditions. And sometimes we'll audition 30, 40, 50 different people. And then after we, you know, do a whole bunch of auditions, a, a team of people listen back to all of the voices and, and, and we decide who do we think is the best Nick or the best Sally. And we're listening for the quality of their voices and how they might play off other characters. And we're also listening for things like how well can they take direction? How big is their acting range? So that, yes. we, know we, that, so that we know that we can get lots of different acting energy and you know, the character, the, the actors can really play the characters, you know, whether they're scared or happy or silly or, or laughing or singing. Yeah, I understand what you're saying completely. That does make sense. Yes, yeah. so Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. Today we're talking about so many amazing shows such as The Cat in the Hat, Oh Say What's the Weather Today, Alice Through the Looking Glass, Mac and Moxie, Sid the Science Kid, Quack Errs, and right now we are talking to Julie Stahl. Now, I have had the pleasure of meeting Martin Short, who plays The Cat in the Hat. He is simply amazing, and I got to meet him at an award show and found him very fun to talk to. Now, have you ever met him? Absolutely. I work with Martin Short. Sometimes we just are working together, um, much like this, over a voice patch um, from Los Angeles, where we record him and in our studio in Toronto, but his voice is coming from Los Angeles. And on occasion, we get to record together in person, whether it's in Los Angeles or whether it's some other location. Sometimes he's even up in Canada and we record him here. So he does do both. He works from home and works from a studio. Absolutely. He uh, and depending on what other kind of work he's doing, if he's shooting, um, you know, commercials or, or live action TV shows, he might be in all kinds of different cities around America. And so depending on where he's working at the time that we need to do a voice record, we will sometimes record him from New York. Yeah. Various other cities, sometimes Chicago, depending on wherever he is. Wow, that's that's very cool, and he's also very talented, so that is definitely understandable for that. And I know he loves kids, and he absolutely loves being the cat in the hat. He says it's one of the most talked about, and it's one of his most asked about parts that he's ever played, is being the cat in the hat. Speaking about voiceover, Alexis Torrington, who plays Sally in the show, why did you choose her, and what, was she, what is she like to work with? Oh, Alexa is a fantastic actress. When we first cast her in the series, because we've actually been producing it for a number of years, I think she was about 10 years old. And what we really loved about Alexa and her performance was that she had um, a very natural sweetness to her voice, and she was naturally very inquisitive. And she could articulate her words really clearly. And she had a beautiful little singing voice. And of course, you know, that's one of the things we love to include in each of the episodes or many episodes is some songs. So it was all those qualities together that made us choose Alexa. Well, that's definitely great. She does have a wonderful singing voice. I'm really hoping I get to meet her when I come work for you. <laughs> and I'll be like, great, I'll be able to meet her. And she's about, I would say she's about 19 years old now. Because we've been working on, yeah, we've been working on the show for quite a few years. So now she's she's in university. So she basically grew up with the cat in the hat like most other children. She absolutely did. And now she needs to work even harder because she needs to keep sounding as young as Sally. Yes, definitely. But she is great at her job. I understand that. Now, how, how did you go about getting the rights to the cat in the hat? Well, there's lots of different people involved um, with the Cat in the Hat. So one of the first places that 
that the show started from was the publishing company of the books, which is called Random House. So Random House has a whole library of Cat in the Hat books called the Cat in the Hat Learning Library. And it was PBS who knew about these learning library books and thought they would make a super great um, basis for a television show to teach kids all about natural science. And so PBS and Random House started talking about doing a show. And then they needed to ask the permission of the Dr. Seuss estate, which is the company that holds all of the, the rights to do um, a TV show or anything else in, in addition to publishing books. And so we had to have the permission of the Dr. Seuss estate, Random House, and PBS. And when Everybody came together and they knew that the show was going to be for kids. They knew that the show was going to be teaching all about natural science and would be basically produced for kids all across America and then sold to kids, you know, to broadcasters all around the world. Um, everybody got on board very quickly, you know, to make the show. So that's, those are all the people we needed to talk to. Well, that's just a lot. And that's yeah. really crazy. It, it, it no, took about, I think yeah. it took about I think it took about five years in order to get all of the rights and agreements in place before we could actually make the show. Now I know that you're doing a lot of different uh, a lot of different shows, but do you have any up and coming projects? And if so, can you please tell us about some of them? Well, aside from oh say what's the weather today, we've been working on three brand new one hour specials. For the cat in the hat so one is going to be a big summer vacation special that's going to air this summer on pbs and we will have another big special for halloween and then a third special that's all about a trip to outer space so those are going to be three upcoming big cat in the hat specials which will also be released on dvd so you can definitely be watching for those and we're just about to start a whole new season of Cat in the Hat episodes. We're just starting the writing um, just in the next couple of weeks. So we're so thrilled to be working on that. And we also have another preschool uh, children's series that we work on called Doki. And that's largely for, for kids all across Latin America, so all the um, South American countries. And we have a brand new comedy series that's just launching in Canada in June on Teletoon called Freak Town. Well, that's simply amazing that you're working on these and that you're so busy. I mean, heck, like I said, I'm ready to help you anytime. Literally, just give me a call. I'm there. Okay. <laughs> well, let's take a break. I'm Morgan Brian Birch, age 11 and a half, currently in sunny LA, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our kids' first film critics boot camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm 
Brianna Hope Utah, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We just finished speaking to Julie Stahl about Cat in the Hat, the Osei, What's the Weather Today? Next, we are talking about Alice Through the Looking Glass, Mac and Moxie, Sid the Science Kid, Invent and Investigate, and Quackers. So right now, we are speaking with 16-year-old Clayton from New York City about Alice Through the Looking Glass. So I have not yet been able to see this film. I'm not really into Alice and Wonderland, and but I did a monologue, so I do know a little bit about Alice in Wonderland. So can you tell me what this film is about, Clayton? The film is about when Alice re-enters Wonderland and finds out that her best friend, the Hatter, is like very depressed and he misses his family. They are presumed dead, but the Hatter doesn't believe so. So Alice decides to travel back in time to figure out what happened to his parents. Yeah, if I had one reason to watch this film, I mean, there are many reasons to watch it. I'm just being stubborn. But if there was one reason I had to watch this film, it would be to see Johnny Depp as a Mad Hatter because Johnny Depp can play 18 million different people and he can be so convincing in them and that's why I love him. So, thank you. Thank you for agreeing. Um, So, Clayton, can you please tell us your initial thoughts of this film where? My initial thought, like, when the first one came out, I didn't see the first one. I didn't Mm -hmm. think that it was, like, the reviews and everything got mixed reviews. I didn't think it was so wonderful and everything. So I wasn't very excited for it, but anything with Johnny Depp is, like, gets me a little more exciting, so... (laughs) True, true. I understand because I have not yet. I, I think, well, you know, I think I've seen part of the first one. I've never, never, ever seen full movies when it comes with Alice in Wonderland or Alice and whatever. I don't know why. I even read like part of the book. I cannot finish whatever her thing is. I, you know what? I'll think. I'll think about it. I'll deal with it. It's okay. So, did you think this film was in any way, shape, or form scary or frightening? Um, it wasn't very scary or frightening it no it wasn't maybe for like the younger ages mm-hmm. but maybe for like earlier than 10 years old but younger than 10 years old but for me i don't feel like it was that scary maybe at some points with time and like the chase scene with time and alice through like when she was going back in time and everything time was chasing after her that could be a little bit scary but no it's, it's not that scary mm-hmm. and no seeing as though time is an actual person do you think that confused you because talking about time in other movies they're thinking about tiktok you know the clock and <laughs> that rhymed um tiktok and and everything that goes along with time and the clock and and you know it's one o'clock and it's two you know time is going past do you think you got confused because they could have been talking about the regular time but they could also be talking about the person time not that much i loved the character time like Maybe for younger kids, they could get uh, confused, but I feel like he did the movie, like, very good. Like, he was the, the best part of the movie. Sasha, I abs- yeah. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I feel like Sasha Baron Cohen was, like, so compelling and humorous, like, as the role in the role of time. <laughs> I absolutely love when they take, they take objects, like time, and other types of things that I can't think of at this present moment right now, but other types of things like time, but I like when they bring them to life into a person. So if, if time was a person, this is what it would look like And this. And it's like, he is a, he's a job to keep. And he's like, Oh, well I have to be here and I have to be here and to look at these things as they're going through me going through time. I, I don't know. I just, I would feel like I really would like that aspect of this film. So speaking earlier about, you know, the younger ages, and oh, it would it would be scary for younger ages, but it would be confusing for younger ages. What age range do you give this film? I give this film uh, 8 to 18 age range. I think it's appropriate to uh, 8, eight <laughs> to 18. And how many stars do you give this film? I give it 4.5 out of 5 stars. And why not that other, the rest of the star? Because... I feel that it could be a little bit confusing with time, and I don't know, it was maybe just my official thought that it wasn't going to be so good made me not give it that other half star. Yeah, maybe that, just that 
thought just tainted it just a little bit. Yeah, just a shout out to Kiefer. He, um, he saw this film, and I, I was talking to him about it, and he was like, yeah, some things here and there I didn't really like, and it wasn't that, it wasn't that interesting, so it's good to know your take on it and his take on it. Um, so how about the film's length? Um, I think the length was great, perfect. I didn't really notice if it was too short or too long. That is good. And how is the storytelling in this film? Because it is based off a book of Lewis Carroll. So how do you think how do you think that worked? Was it really two story? Because sometimes I watch movies and I'm like, okay, that's definitely a book. And without even knowing it's an adaptation. I loved it. Like I feel like it was sort of like a feminist take on the classic Lewis Carroll story. It was very like creative and colorful also. Interesting. Well, thank you for talking so much about Alice in the Looking Glass. <laughs> it's in theaters now, guys, so please check it out. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. And today we are talking about Mac and Moxie Sip, the science kid, invent and investigate, and quacker. So right now we are speaking to 12-year-old Triana from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, about Mac and Moxie. So Triana, can you please tell us about the series? Mac and Moxie... Is basically about two animals. Moxie is a raccoon, and Max is, he's basically just like, he's like a moose, but not. It's like, it's really like, it's very different. But it's basically about them, and they're superheroes, and they just go help people out in the world and just be a helpful hand. Is there like a background story? Like, not a background story to them, but yeah, to them. Because Spider-Man, you obviously know, it's like, okay, well, he got bitten by this spider, and now he has spider webs coming out of his... Anyway, so is there a backstory <laughs> that you know how they became superheroes? It's really not no um, background story. It's it's basically just animated characters. There's, like, dressed up in suits, it looks like. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, it like, it makes it kind of cool because the animals are dressed up in suits, but there is still, like, real people in the film. So it's kind of weird, but cool at the same time. Mm-hmm. And do you think that weirdness kept you from fully understanding the series? I mean, kind of did, because I was confused. I was wondering, like, why they just didn't make everything animated and not just some people look human and other people are humans in suits. Like, it was, I just thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, I I understand what you're saying. I've seen some films, and I'm like, I really don't understand what's going on. And But, you know, let's roll with it. Let's see where it goes. Yeah. Um, So how did you like the pacing and the speed of this film? I thought the pacing was pretty good, and I thought everything just went perfectly with each other. So I really didn't think like the the scene part, the scenes were like messed up any type of way. I thought they did that part good. It was just like a little bit like the technical difficulty difficulty they could have did better. And can you expand on the technical difficulties that you're mentioning? Like I think they should have made like some um some of the um like some parts of the movie movie more clearer. Like just make it. So it won't be that confusion because sometimes I'm like, wait, they just switched all the way over here. They just were somewhere else. So I think they could have made that like a little bit more better to make it like less confusing because I was confused and like it's like kind of like a child's movie. And I'm like, how am I confused? Like I should really get it. <laughs> how am I confused? This is the children. How am I doing this? And you know, and then you go into the whole like, am I mature enough for this movie? But that's a whole other story. <laughs> so can you please talk about the message in Mac and Moxie? The message of this film is basically to just like teach children all around the world that they should always help be- help someone. It doesn't really matter how you look, how you act. It could be like even like if they're not if they're not your friend or something. If you don't know them, you can still be like be their helping hand and like help them because sometimes people might need help. Yeah, help helping other people really really is the foundation for everything. Uh, almost all of our jobs in America and in other places, it's to serve other people. And I think the human humanitarian, you know, you know what I'm talking about, humanitarian. Yeah. Yeah, okay, thank you. To know that you're giving of yourself, giving up your time, giving up your money to other people that need it more than you do, I think that's just amazing because, and alluring and captivating because you're doing something for other people and teaching children that at such a young age because when you teach children things, they just absorb it like sponges. They're like SpongeBob, but like without Patrick. That's how how children are. So look at them like little sponges that just soak everything up and you're giving them such 
good things to soak up. And, you know, when they grow up, they're like, oh, my gosh, I want to help all these different people. So I definitely think that this is a great, great opportunity for people to help people. I don't know why I went on that little rant, but we're just going to move on. (laughs) How many stars do you give this film? I give this film three out of five stars because of the confusion part. Like, I was really confused Mm -hmm. and, like, I thought the animation part was a little funny, but to other people, it might feel a little weird. So I just, maybe I brought them them two stars just because of that. Yeah, I, I understand. And talking about age range and not not understanding it. Anyway, what age range do you give this series? I give this series five and up. And is there a cap that a cap that you see, or do you think just five and up, everyone would everyone would like it and understand it and get everything that they can out of it? Like I think that younger children under than five could watch it, but I think they would would probably wouldn't get it. <laughs> they probably would be confused, but they would like the animation mm-hmm. and like what they're like. They probably would get the concept, but they would probably be confused in between that. But other than that, I think basically it's. Basically for everyone, but I since I'm like so since I'm like twelve, I'm like I probably wouldn't watch this because I like know what to do, like to help people. Yeah. And it. But for younger children they're not really learning that much. So I think that really just like I really love this film because it like basically just tells children what to do and I hope to act when they get older so they won't be like, feel any type of way if someone looks different or acts different, not their friend, they could always just help them if they need. Yeah, totally. So, like, five to eight, five to nine, that type of age range? Yeah, basically. Good to know. Well, Triana, thank you so much for talking with us today and telling us all about Mac and Moxie, the great, healthy heroes. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Yes, it's always it's always nice talking to you. <laughs> right. It's it's available on DVD, guys, so please check it out. Let's take a break. I'm Brianna Hope Beaton, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Quackers from Shout Factory. We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Welcome back. I'm Morgan Brian Birch, age 11 and a half, currently in sunny California, and you are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about some wonderful things. Cat in the Hat, Oh Say What's the Weather Today, Alice Through the Looking Glass, Mac and Moxie, Sid the Science Kid, Quackers, and right now we are talking to Nathaniel about Sid the Science Kid. Investigate with Sid the Science Kid. So how are you today, Nathaniel? Hi, I'm doing very well. I am 10 years old and reporting from Boulder, Colorado. Now, what's the plot of Sid the Science Kid? Um, well, it is about this adventurous kid who kind of wants to figure out everything. What things does he want to figure out? So, uh, there are many different things, and in this one, um, it is about simple machines, animal communication, important, uh, 
importance of dirt and leaves and more. What was one of your favorite lessons that you got to learn about? Well, I did not have time to do them all. But there was this one about slides and inverted planes. It was pretty interesting. And it told all about slides and why it's easier to push it up a slide than a straight wall. Well, that actually does sound like fun. You get to learn about about slides. I would like that. I mean, I wish my history teacher or my science teacher actually did that. That's so much fun. Um, But I do suggest that not older kids listen to this because they can make fun of the way that it is kind of portrayed. So it's more for younger ages. Yes, that does make sense. Now, do you like the voiceovers that these people did? Um, yeah, they were pretty clear, and it was amazing, and you could hear all the voices, and they did uh, lots of singing and other fun ways to help kids learn about it, and it was just pretty interesting, all the ways that they just showed how they, all of these great information that you would usually learn in school, but you get to learn it early, and that's just really cool. Well, that is amazing, understandably. I like watching things as well, and this actually helps a lot of kids learn how to do different things in many different ways. Were the science lessons easy to understand? Yeah, um, so they took all this time to help you slowly understand, and that's another reason why I think it's better for younger ages, because they give lots and lots of time to understand it, so once you're done, you have... Uh, almost complete knowledge of what you learned. Could you do the experiments at home? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you could. You had all the materials, and they're definitely possible at home. Well, I've seen Sid the Science Kid a couple of times, and this is actually, I really like this show. And did you like the way that they also, like when they were doing some of the experiments, they actually showed live people? Yeah, and they uh, showed the characters, and it helped you get involved, and you could uh, see all of the different things, and it showed you how to do them. And they had, uh, and again, I'm saying they had fun things like uh, they had science journals and fun songs. And it's not just the science kid. He, uh, it's also his friends and the teacher and uh, also his mom and dad and whole family. So it's pretty interesting. Yes, it is. It's great when everybody decides to pitch in and help learn about science, basically. That's just great when everybody does that. Now, I heard that you said there were songs in this. Did you find yourself, like, singing the songs and be, like, just humming them and be like, wow, I just hummed that? Yeah, actually, I did. They're really catchy and really uh, easy to memorize. So, yep, I had them stuck in my head every time that I watched them. Well, I'm with you there. I found myself humming the tunes, and I was like, wow, I'll be remembering this for the rest of my life. That's pretty awesome when that happens, because then you can be, like, in your science class, raise your hand and be like, I know the answer to that, said the science kid. Yeah. Now, in this DVD, do they do the, the songs during the episodes and then do a sing-along, or do they just do the songs during the episodes? I'm not really sure what you mean by that, but sometimes when you have a DVD, it will have the songs, and then it will, like, to make sure that you finally understand it, they'll, like, reinsure in your brain and put the song and sing the song again. So, uh, what they do is they have them sing, sing the songs, and then at the end, I'm pretty sure that the teacher sings a final song to, like, sum it up. Well, that's good. That's definitely great, so that way the kids will remember that. Yeah. I mean, it's always good to remember things, and a song is usually catchy enough to do that. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. Today we're talking about some great topics. Cat in the Hat, oh say what's the weather today. Sid the Science Kid, Quack Urza, Alice through the Looking Glass, and Max and Moxie. And right now we're talking to Nathaniel about this Sid the Science Kid, Invent, Invent, and Investigate. Now what did you think about all the animation in this? It is pretty cool. The characters uh, are, well, not really realistic, but I think that that also helps uh, to ignite the imagination of people, uh, of the kids that are watching this. So um, the animation isn't really real, but it is very good, and it shows all of these cool things. And they don't really have to be realistic, but they're realistic enough so you can uh, understand. That's definitely wonderful when you understand something like that. I, great, I greatly appreciate that. 
Now, would you want to go to the science kids class and be with them and, like, make up your own character? Yeah, um, it'd be fun to be there for uh, a while and get to learn about all this stuff. And it's so many cool things. And it's, uh, but it is pretty long and it says over four hours. So I'm not sure that I'd want to be there too long. Yeah, it just makes sense. What are the relationships between the kids? Because we have so many great, great voiceovers, such as Drew Marcy, who plays Sid, Alice Dehan, who plays Gabriella, and we have a bunch of others. So what was the relationship between all these amazing voiceovers and these characters? Um, well, they were all, uh, uh, they're all friends in the film, but I'm not really sure uh, about the real people if they're friends. But I guess that they get to know each other over the while that they work on Sid the Science Kid. But these are great friends, and they always work together on the scientific discoveries. So I don't really think it should be Sid the Science Kid, but more like Sid and his Sid and his friends, the Science Kids. That's definitely a great idea, literally. Now they all have just so many different connections and stuff, and they have differences. Does that help them? In their yeah. personalities, in their personalities, and their characters. Yeah, I think so because the characters they all uh, act differently and all work together and all have their own part in each episode to learn about. So, like one person does it, one person writes down notes. Well, they all write down notes and they all show their own unique uh, way of how they saw it. Yeah, well, I watched it on PBS a couple of times. And I've watched them when they literally go and tell and everything, and they tell jokes, actually, on the show. What did you think about the jokes? Uh, well, yeah, uh, there's, like, a time for everything. There are joke times, but the good thing is that they uh, found these, uh, all of these different things to, like, fit what the topic was and make jokes about. Oh, sorry, you go. Oh, well, I understand that. It's really great when they tell jokes because about science, because they know, like, oh, science can also be funny as well, and that kids, and, and that actually wants you to learn more about it, actually. And that is always great when you want to learn more about something. Yeah, and, and, oh, and, and oh. I like the songs. Uh, it also helps you, uh, it also helps get it stuck in your mind. So, like, when they um, sing songs, you get it stuck in your mind. But when they say the jokes, you think it's funny, so you still remember them. Yes, because then you can repeat, repeat that to your friends, and then they'll repeat it to their friends. Yeah. Now, it's also about friendship. What do you think about this aspect? Um, I think that it's really good because there's bonding. And uh, school uh, isn't really all about learning, but it's also about making new friends and learning with them. And so the science kid does actually show that a lot in this. Now, what yeah. was your favorite episode? Um, well, I did not watch all of the episodes, but I, uh, did, uh, did, like, um, I really liked the one about the broken wheel, because it showed that, um, a wheel couldn't spin, because it needed to, uh, if it was taped there, so it needed to move while staying on the, um, axis, I think. What was your favorite, who was your favorite character? Um, definitely Sid. That's great. How, how many, um, what would you say the age range for this would be? Um, probably from one, because one is, like, uh, enough to understand it, to about six, which is the, like, lowest amount, so they won't make fun of it. Oh, that makes sense. How many stars would you give this? I would give this five out of five stars for all of the young kids that want to learn about this stuff earlier in their life. Well, thank you so much. Let's take a break. I'm Morgan Brian Birch, LH 11 and a half currently in sunny California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We didn't invent Kid Talk, we perfected it, and at a very young age. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. 
All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our kids' first film critics boot camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. The longer you listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hey welcome back i'm brianna hope beaton and you're listening to kids first coming attractions we just finished speaking to nathaniel about sid the science kid invent and investigate we talked to julie Stahl, and we have talked about the movies alice through the looking at Alice Through the Looking Glass, Mac and Moxie, Sid the Science Kid, Invent and Investigate, and now we are talking about quackers. So right now we are speaking with the adorable 11 and a half year old Morgan from LA about quackers. Now I have seen this film and I would love to know what other people think about this film instead of just knowing my opinion on it. So Morgan, what what were your official thoughts or initial thoughts about this film? Well, I really liked the crazy ducks. You have silly henchmen, and you also get, like, a little bit of romance, like a little bit of Juliet. And I was like, yeah, Romeo and Juliet. And then this is just, this movie is ducky. Literally, this is the ducky movie for me. It's comical, adventurous, and it's fun for the whole family, literally. And I think that this storyline was great because it had military mallards, and then it had mandarin ducks, which was, like, really funny how they were, like, fighting. And yet the two kids are like, oh, it's just hilarious. Yeah, it does. It does oddly remind me of Romeo and Juliet and Romeo and Juliet. For those who watch the animated version, um, you know, your families are fighting, and but you're in love and all that stuff. Uh, this film is like all over the place because there are military mallards and, and mandarin ducks and there are humans and there are robbers and, and there are evil people and all these other different things. Do you think that the amount of characters in this film and the amount of different things that you had to focus on, did that like overpower the film? A little bit. I mean, it could have narrowed it down a little bit because literally there was so much stuff that it kind of like was just a bit too crazy. Uh, like I kind of liked the aspect about it though because it was fun and it reminded me of Kung Fu Panda, which takes place in China yes. because it talks animals. I know, right? And they had Kung Fu, and I was like, yeah, that was awesome. Then, of course, we had Romeo and Juliet and Romeo and Juliet, who where fair-weathered fathers are, like, keeping our destined duckies apart. And it also reminded me of Rio, if anybody remembers that, because man, the Mandarin duck, long way, cannot fly. And this was just, like, it's a combination of movies put in one. But I kind of liked that at the same time, it kind of did take away from the story. Yeah, I, I definitely understand what you're what you're indicating, because I do like the aspect that all of this was kind of like thrown together because all the different movies and it, it kind of takes a new a new turn and a new look at originality and, and different aspects of that. But at the same time, it was like, oh, my gosh, there's so much going on and I can't even blink without being like, wait, what just happened? And many different other things. So I, I do think this film is adorable, and younger ages would definitely like it. But do you think that older ages, as well as younger ages, would like it the same amount? I, will, I wouldn't really say this is for younger ages, because it's fam- it is a family-friendly movie, but there are, like, a little bit of violence. There's a little bit of violence when they're having that battle. But I'd say the age range would probably be, like, 10 and up, because older kids would like it as well. And my parents were, like, kind of, like... I saw my dad crying a little bit, and I was like, he never cries. 
Because I was like, I cried myself one long way down. I was like, no! And then you came back to life and you were like, yay! It was like just so much fun. Yeah, I mean, in my eyes, I, I feel as though it would be a, a for a younger audience because of, of the animation. And oftentimes, I guess that's something that I shouldn't say, just because it's animation means that it's for younger audiences. But I think in this sense, like the type of animation that they use, and, and it wasn't as like clear and, and very detailed as other films that I've seen that are for a little bit older audience. I feel as though it's for a younger audience and and because the subjects and it one thing that I didn't particularly care about this film was like it switched so much and I was like, wait, you were just over here and you were just over there and I think I think they do that to keep the attention spans of younger audiences, but that's just my opinion. Um, how do you guys yeah, like that might actually be a bit too complicated for them. True, true. There are there are both sides to this. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network, and today we are talking about quackers. So right now, let's continue speaking with Morgan about quackers, and we were just talking about how she she thinks that it's for a little bit older older audience, not 18 and 19, but just a little bit older, 10 and up. And I'm and on my side of the spectrum, I think it's for a little bit younger audience, but I do see her point of view. So. What? How many stars do you give this film? I would give this film four and a half quack, quacking, flapping stars to go. <laughs> and why? Why not that point five? Uh, why not five stars? Uh, because Miss Nod could use a tad bit more feathers. Oh yeah, I, I totally understand. Literally, <laughs> and it had some violence in it, like I said. And if you minus those things, I think it would open up the audiences um, to much bigger audiences and that's what most films try to do and that's what we're film critics so we can help them on their journey as well totally and, totally yeah and if they got you know if they added some more feathers and everything that'd be great and if you if you didn't make the storyline as confusing because you have like so much different stuff going on at the same time you like really have to pay attention or else you'll be like okay if you are if you're watching this in the movie theater you'll be like okay i need a rewind button but Luckily, this is on DVD coming out um, June 14th. Yeah, yeah, because I, the thing is, for me, I I saw this film and I liked it. Like, from face value, I really, really, really liked it. And then I kind of just started picking it through my brain, and and I have to stop doing that. But I picked it through in my brain, and I was like, ah, it was it was an okay film. So I'm I'm glad that you you like it so much. Um, so what do you think about the mashup between the humans, because it was humans, and they couldn't understand the ducks or the animals or anything. So it was the humans, and then it was the ducks and all the animals that were were sparsely put around with the ducks. So how do you think the mashup and mashing into, how do you think that worked? Do you think it was too confusing? Do you, do you think it didn't work? I think it actually worked out quite great, because this literally has, like, a good resemblance of a lot of different things, like I said. And, uh, not only that, but, like, when you add something like that and they can't understand each other to work out their differences, that's actually kind of funny, literally, because you're like, they're saying this because you're, like, the only person who can understand them. And you're like, but they're saying this, just do what they're saying. And you're like, oh, wait, they can't understand them. Like, sometimes I wish, like, I could create something so that way everybody could hear everybody and, like, understand everybody. Yeah. Like, make a head tap, put it on, and then change the language like duck dog and then you know do a bunch of animal languages and then also go to foreign languages yeah definitely because i think i but i i also think that not knowing like knowing you're the only one that knows what's going on like the duck can't understand the human and the human can't understand the duck and i get a a little bit of, of satisfaction knowing that I'm the only one that understands. I'm like, I'm, I'm the key to all of your problems. I don't understand why you're not coming to me, but, and you could either go, you could go either way. You could make a film that, you know, the different species don't understand each other, or you can make it where they understand each other completely and they're totally fine and they just live together in harmony. So it could go either way. So, can you tell me about some of the music that was in this film? Did it stand out? Did it get overplayed by the rest of rest of I the aspects? I did like the music because I used some hidden modern modern music, so like it was really fun because they're like you kind of I felt I just understood myself and I like was like humming those songs and I started singing with the movie actually. I was like, 
oh no and I was like oh whatever it's you know I was like just starting to sing along because of how it, it, cool it was but I put the music fit the scenes perfectly because it had like hip and rock for like some of the military ballads and then it had like calm and peaceful for the mandarin ducks which fit their characters perfectly literally because mandarins are calm and peaceful people when the military ballards military you know they want to like fight and go out there yeah, and that's something that surprised me that the that the music was was modern, very modern. I was like, oh my gosh, I know this song, I know this song, I know this song. You can hum to it and feel like you're a part of something. Um, Morgan, would you watch this film again and and kind of had the same feeling that you did when you first watched it? Watched it. If I could erase my brain, like erase the the ending, yeah, probably. But you know, I probably would still have the same feeling because the romantic bond between the two of them was pretty strong and everything, so you were, like, kind of... You would understand that even if you watched it, like, a hundred times. But, yeah, that it would still feel the same for me. Mm-hmm. And how about the visual effects? The visual effects were actually really cool. I liked that a lot. And, like, I loved all the mountain scenes. And the village where the people lived was really cool. And I liked the scene where they were, like, trying to find, like, make the cookies and everything. And then they were stealing all the cookies. The henchmen were. I thought that was really funny. To know that, but, you you know, it, like, looked so crisp and clear when they did that. Because you could literally see it. Yeah, that was an aspect of this film that I that I fairly enjoyed was the visuals and was what I saw on screen. Because it reminded me of uh, a few films that I saw when I was younger. Um... So that's that's partly why I like this film because it reminded me of, of something else that I saw that that brought me joy. So it was kind of like a mashup of everything that brought me happiness. Well, yeah, Morgan, that's that's why the mountain scenes are my favorite scenes, and also Erica was my favorite character because of how crisp and clear her details were, and you could also really tell that she is a tough cookie and she also is good-hearted, curious, adorable, smart, and she's just pretty awesome. Yeah. And, that's what I liked about her also, is you could really tell the emotion in the graphics that they showed. Yeah, the graphics were very clear, and the characters... I didn't really have a favorite character, because they all were not not very, very high or very, very low. Everyone was kind of together in, in my mind, so I'm glad, that, I'm glad that you liked her. Well, Morgan, thank you so much for talking with us today and telling us all about Quackers. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's on Blu-ray and DVD right now, so please check it out. Thanks so much for joining with us today. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Please be sure to watch our video reviews of the latest film and DVD releases and learn how you can become a Kids First Film Critic. Go to www.kidsfirst.org. Please be sure to check out our blog on the teen section of Huffington Post. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media on the Voice America Kids Network. Today's show is sponsored by Quackers from Shout Factory. Thanks for listening. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today.